eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Come strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and this is Game Week. It is the Big 12 opener, Texas and Texas Tech, 2.30 on Saturday at Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, and we will break down that game here on this week's edition of the Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team who will be alongside me for this adventure. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How about yourself? I feel like I'm almost sitting... uh can't call it Indian style anymore, but I feel like I'm like squatting in this chair right now. I got, I got you the, do look smaller I got than the, normal. I got the, I got the, the, the little kitty chair. It's yeah, like, I'm like I'm, when you go to elementary school and they're in like little tiny little furniture. I'm gonna be at like Pudge Rodriguez levels for for yeah. this podcast today. So such is life, I guess. Uh, a man who uh, he can stand up, squat, do whatever. He can do this show however he wants uh, and do it very well because he is a Renaissance man. Not just here on this show, but on. On the triple option afternoon show on the horn where you can hear him each and every weekday from three to seven our lockdown corner here on longhorn blitz lifetime longhorn 2002 ut all-american 2002 semifinalist for the jim thorpe award fourth round draft choice of the new york giants in 2003 spent his nfl career with the giants lions bears Bucks, broncos and a year with the hamilton tiger cats in the cfl when he was done with football he got himself back to austin texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree whenever that t-ring comes in we will make sure he wears it proudly nevertheless he is a card carrying member of dbu and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. I appreciate it. No problem. Rod, Matt, before we get started, gentlemen, any cleanup from the UTEP game that you guys want to hit? There's there's one thing I want to get to, Rod. Well, a couple things relating to the offense. Actually, let me pause, rewind. Rod, mm-hmm. did you have a chance to chart missed tackles from this game? Any, um, any, not any, not yet. No, I haven't charted all the missed. I mean, it had to be probably less than five. 
I got through the first half and I was probably like at three. Okay, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, because I, like I said I didn't that get I, the that I considered game. Le- like legitimate missed tackles. tackles. Yeah, um, yeah, it's probably less than five off the top of my head that I remember just watching the game, but I haven't charted it officially. Okay. Well, the first half's probably the best to chart for that game. Yeah, thank you, Matt. I, yeah. I found that out as I was going through doing the work. By the way, did you guys see over the weekend UTEP really struggled with Abilene Christian? You tipped it? Yeah. Wouldn't, yeah. Didn't yeah. surprise me at all. They were like four and a half point favorites, didn't I think. surprise me. I was just surprised at first. I was like, oh, well, they're at least favored. Yeah. <laughs> they're favored? Yeah, it was like two I mean, West Texas teams. That was teams probably pretty historic in similar. itself. UTEP yes. favorite is they, a pretty They were getting game. out gained 75 to 1 at one point in the first they're really half bad. Of that game. They're really bad. That's why we had to disclaimer last week just so people don't get – you should be excited, but – you know, don't get don't get too excited. This week, I think it will be a much better test, a much more uh, accurate test. So, did you guys take away the same thing I did from from just rewatching the defensive film again? Other than just looking at some personnel things, Rod, I don't know what you can take out of that. Other than looking at, oh, I thought Demarvin Overshawn played well. I thought Keandre Coburn and Tavondre Sweat were good. I thought Chris Adamora had a couple good. Like Josh Thompson had a good game. Like other than that, I don't really know schematically. Chris Ash was pretty vanilla. He was vanilla, and I think that that was you know obviously intentional. But you look at the guys; you just wanted them to be fundamentally and technically sound, yeah. and you wanted to see that on every level of the defense. And you did, you did. I think we saw that at every level. That guys every now and then make some mistakes. If you want to be really detailed and nitpicky, I'm sure you can find some. I mean, I can find a couple off the top of my head right now. Uh, but I think for the most part, uh, you know. Chris Ash preaches fundamentals, fundamentals. That's his favorite word. He's going to say it three or four times every time you interview him, every time I've heard him speak. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want to preach. And if they believe if their group is fundamentally sound, their talent will it ultimately will win out because Texas has the most talent, the more talented team nine out of ten times. That's mm-hmm. the case. I think there was two sequences defensively that I really, I, I really took away as positives. One was on uh, UTEP's first drive. Marvin Overshaw misses a tackle. UTEP has a third and one, and then Joseph Hosai does a great job setting the edge. Overshone kind of scrapes off tackle mm-hmm. and makes a really just good, secure tackle. I thought that was good yeah. for him to have that kind of failure and then come right back and make a big third down stop. Big. And then I think when you talk about Chris Ash teaching the rugby style tackling, the shoulder tackling, and looking at some of the clinics he's done and how kind of how he teaches it, I thought Josh Thompson – the tackle he made on a third and one, that's the kind of tackle Rod he's going to put on a coaching tape. It's show, it's proper technique. It's wrapping mm-hmm. up the ball carrier, going through the legs, as Chris Ash will call it, killing the engine. Don't let the guy get yards after contact. Just hang on. Let the cavalry get there. And, and you know, just don't don't give up anything. Just just make a good, yeah, secure solid. tackle. Trust your technique and trust mm-hmm. that uh, all the uh, the other ten guys on defense are flying to the football. So I just thought those two sequences were good. But I, actually had two, I mean, sorry, Thompson had two of those plays. Yeah, mm-hmm. he had the, uh, the 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 kind of the press quarters uh, coverage where he's denying the receiver and gets the interception too, which is also textbook mm-hmm. it, it, against a team like UTEP. You're just trying to have the perfect rep, and you'd like to have it as many times as you can against a team like UTEP because the truth is. Your practices are way harder than that than that game you're gonna play against yeah. UTEP. That's truth is your walk on program right now is pretty good. It's not that much of a drop off from the UTEP players, unfortunately for UTEP. That's a compliment to the walk on program. Yeah, I mean Tom, Tom Herman because <laughs> it's producing starters for you. Yeah. 
Tom Herman. I don't exactly. remember if it was, it was after the game or in the Monday press conference a couple of days after, but he basically called it like a scrimmage of sorts. It and, was. And We'd have learned more from a scrimmage, yeah, from an intra-squad scrimmage. We'd have learned more from Texas playing a spring game, basically. I agree. And exactly. It, just the idea that you're playing an opponent and it's not some, there's something psychological about not knowing what's yes. coming and you get familiar, it's you get comfortable. Rehearsal. Exactly. And yeah. when you're in practice, no matter how many scrimmages, you get comfortable when you're going against other guys that are on your same team or you're familiar with and just that little bit of volatility even though competition wasn't nearly what you would think it was going to be most you know d1 football games it's still better than taking on somebody else that you're used to seeing all the time rod right. this is one of those years in the non-con where i really wish that lsu game was played because hmm. we would that that would be our only barometer did you guys watch south florida notre dame did you watch any of that i watched a little bit of it I didn't it, watch was o- that one. it was over pretty quick so i hope you tuned in early mm-hmm. I watch, did y'all watch Okie state now that that was, was sad. Yes. That was oh man. Man, when yeah. Spencer Sanders went out, I really that thought that they were going to be done and didn't have a shot. But watching college football this year, it's just like, yeah, can't take anything for granted. It was like, hey, go on, take a W, move on to the next one. That game was bludgeoned senseless with an ugly stick, man. Yep. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, trouble couldn't yeah. get anywhere. Yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously, this relates to Tech too. Um, you know, they're struggled versus HBU, and the Big Twelve struggles, obviously. Mm-hmm. Three Sun Belt losses for the Big yeah. Twelve early on. I think you know those. It's probably I don't know. It was eight nine days uh, that the Big Twelve decided late that the Big Twelve decided they wanted to start their practices. The complaints from Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman in the off season that the Big Twelve were they were dragging their feet on coming up with COVID guidelines. So the rest of the Power Five leagues were gaining an advantage. They were hinting at that. Maybe that advantage was a lot bigger than we thought. Maybe it did set the Big 12 back, at least early on, because they do look – they look disheveled. They look – they really do. I mean, a lot of Big 12 teams just look disorganized. I know. Big Ten's about to look really bad. We'll, so that, we'll see. We'll see exactly if, well, that, if that's the case. Yeah. Matt, you mentioned the Big Ten, but I'm thinking, you know, this weekend everybody's – oh, man, the SEC's coming back. You're opening with a conference-only schedule – you That's have a tough one. I mean, the the only thing the SEC has going for Rod is at least they've had basically what would amount to a full camp. Yeah, they're yeah, fall. and then some. That's why I say I think, but that helps in my opinion. Yeah, the Big Twelve started early, and they started late. You know what I mean? Like start they started the season early, yeah. then they started the off season late. Yeah, so, so you're not like, you really hurt yourself. Like you, you probably had the shortest off season until your ramp up. You, you know, took the preseason volatility, right? and now you, it, it's a risk. You could have lost that first yeah. non-conference game because basically, what would be camp? You have a scrimmage thrown in two weeks beforehand. So that's yeah, sort June of why we're seeing these is ugly when games. The Big Twelve and the Pac twelve started. Pac twelve's probably suck too. Whenever they start, <laughs> oh, but uh, the SEC, ACC, Big Ten all started June eighth. In addition to Whatever Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman were hinting at that the Big 12 was losing ground on the rest of the conferences, and the Big 12 decided to start early with that dress rehearsal non-con game than yeah. the rest of the conferences. I just think all those things are just, and of course the COVID is, that's making everybody's off season a bit of a, a fuster cluck. I think it's just adding up for the Big 12 specifically. It's really hurting them in that first game. I still yeah. think you're going to see some ugly games in the SEC. You could this weekend. You could. You can see them ugly all around. See a couple. You're going to see a couple of clunkers, but because you haven't had a, a continuity with all these programs now, Texas hasn't sent players home, but you've had a good double digit amount of schools that had oh, to yeah. just pause in the middle of their summer. Be ugly workouts. everywhere. Yep, <laughs> but Big Twelve is out there in front, ugly. But you know, Rod, <laughs> Rod we talked about it though. But ugly. We, we talked about the camp structure, and Tom Herman has even called it. He said he's told the freshmen and the newcomers, like, look, this is 
This is training camp light. Like this isn't anything like what you would mm-hmm. normally experience in a camp. And we know that second scrimmage, which Rod, from your your playing days, you cover the team, me covering the team, Matt, you haven't been following this program for a long time. We know the second camp scrimmage. That's the big one. That is the that's big the one. equivalent of like the the traditional NFL dress rehearsal preseason game. Mm-hmm. Effectively, Rod, the the UTEP game kind of became the big camp scrimmage. Yep. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I agree with you on it that. Just too. the results count, and if you yeah. lose it, you get screwed for you know if you are a lower end Big Twelve team. Right. So, uh, Rod, I, I want to talk about the Texas offense real quick before we talk about Texas Tech. And a couple things that I took from uh, from the, the rewatch on offense, which that is the side of the ball where I think you could really kind of glean something. Other than oh, yeah, they showed, you, well, they showed you enough. Which, by the way, I texted you guys this last night. I learned to not leave my legal pad. I'm charting mm-hmm. things on where my daughter can reach it because mm. – yeah. Now I've got scribbles all over it, and I'm trying to decipher what I wrote. But, Matt, you mentioned the the, the first half was the only thing worth charting. I noticed I said chart, not mm-hmm. chart. Uh was the only thing worth charting. Well, I charted the first half offensive. I charted the whole game offensively, but I really tallied up some numbers from the first half and that first three and out in the second half, which mm-hmm. that Sam Ellinger was out of the time. game yeah, after that. I agree. Rod, uh, we know Texas was overly reliant, stubborn, rigid, fill in the blank in terms of use of 11 personnel last year. Uh, And I even counted snaps that were negated due to penalties. I counted 29 snaps where this offense was in 11 personnel with Sam Ellinger in the game, Mm -hmm. 25 where they were in 12. And we saw all different kinds of variations with with 11 personnel and 12 personnel. We saw uh, traditional Mm three-by-one trip sets. We saw what I would call a – it's kind of – old school terminology for me. I call it a trace set, which is a three-by-one look, but it's the tight end to the trip side. He's either attached to the line of scrimmage or mm-hmm. like in a wing. I just call that a trace set. Yeah. We saw that to the field. We saw it to the boundary. Uh, we saw the 12 personnel where the tight ends lined up as a fullback. We saw 11 personnel where you've got some some kind of swing motions with the, with the H receiver. So, uh, Rod, just a lot of different variations. We saw some traditional doubles looks, a two-by-two two set. Mm-hmm. We saw a two-by-two two stack. Mm-hmm. Uh Stuff we didn't see last year, and I think this is a good. Basically, what I came away from it with it, Rod, after the rewatch, and we talked about this last week, but I really believe it now after really digging into it. This is basically the pro. And I hate using this because people can take this the wrong way, but it's for lack of a better term. The Mike Yersich offense at Texas is basically the pro spread on steroids. You're base. You've basically taken the framework of the pro spread and said, okay, I like some of these principles, but. We're, we're going to expand on it and really take this thing to the next level, which mm-hmm. when we sat here after the regular season last year, that's exactly what we talked about what needed to happen with this offense. Take it to the next level. Yep. That's, no, I, I, I love the concepts, and I think he's going to go even freakier with it as the season goes on. I think you'll, you'll see two back sets uh, with actual two tailbacks in the backfield. We saw two back sets, but it was more of the, the H receiver, the tight end becoming the H out of that 12 personnel but I do. I thought he used, and what is his? I think his um his 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 big mantra is formations, plays, players, and players, players. Players, formations, and plays. All right. So that's his big thing, and you can tell early on that based on the formations and the personnel package. The personnel package would dictate what the 
personnel the defense would be in, or at least their their philosophy. And that twelve personnel, you can see early on, UTEP was trying to stack the box when they played twelve personnel. Their assumption was that Texas was going to run the ball when they had a numbers advantage in the box, and when they had the you know the the, the girth, the big body advantage in the box with two tight ends. And Texas didn't every time they would you know. Sam would stab it, and he would see the one-on-one on the outside, and he was pitch and catch mm-hmm. a few times on the outside. And the early down pass rate for Texas was phenomenal. I think that early down pass rate was around 69%. Uh, so they were throwing the ball on first and second down, which I think this offense is going to do a ton this year just because you have Sam Ellinger. I mean, you have an elite quarterback. He can process information really quickly. He you know, he can um, identify the matchup advantage that you have based on the formation and based on the, you know, the, the, the different setup that you have in place. So I, I think I thought it was really, really good. I, I like the, the pre-snap motions and shifts. You saw more of that, which is, you know, it was just an easy cheat code. As a matter of fact, on a lot of the big plays, uh, they were using pre-snap motion shifts. They probably use it about 12% of the time. Um, yeah. But with Sam Ellinger in the game, and I think that's something you'll see a lot more of too throughout his, you know, th- throughout the early part of the season. Yeah, and twelve percent's a good number, especially coming up from where you were at before, and it leaves room to grow if you go there. But when you said passing on traditional running downs, those are the type of things that the it, you know when we talk about predictability, and you hate to say, well, they look predictable here, and it became a case last season. But you sort of wonder, well. What are those situations? And th- these, those are the exact situations that it really does matter so much to tip those scales and make the defense not have a feeling that they know what's coming. And it's something that, like, the first two weeks watching NFL this year, you have so many more situations where it's not only the down and distance and passing and running downs, but in game script situations when you are traditionally late with a lead, you see teams become so predictable and get lulled to sleep, and it's sort of something that affected Texas also last year too. Seeing so many more teams comfortable throwing in late situations with a lead, and those are the type of situations where Texas, with this new setup and getting into Big 12 play, be really interested to see if those numbers continue to grow and Texas continues to throw not only in traditional running downs but in game script situations, mm-hmm. which is also when you can become most predictable. 61.9%. Sorry. You're, you're Still also, good. 61.9%. You're That's also 62. starting to see – you saw a glimpse, Rod, really for the first time I can remember at Texas – of kind of some legitimate air raid influence in this offense. And I think that's part of, you know, Mike Yerse has kind of got a little bit familiar with that at Oklahoma State because we know Mike Gundy took a lot from the one year Dana Holgerson was with him mm-hmm. uh, and put that in his offense. And if you go go to the – I would encourage everybody, go to the flagship message board of Horns 24-7. Chris Osgood, who works for our UCLA site, Chris doesn't have anything to do right now because UCLA is not playing football, at least not yet. Uh Chris did a really good job of breaking down a concept that I shared with you guys from watching and being in on the Lincoln Riley lecture, the Y cross concept, which is a huge that is a staple yeah. of the air raid offense, mm-hmm. still is in Mike Leach's offense. Lincoln Riley's just taking it and kind of put his own spin on it. But Chris does, did some really good breakdowns of looking at how Texas is now utilizing that Y cross concept. Uh, a, lot, a, a lot of crossing concepts, Rod, we really haven't seen in this offense. You could see in that UTEP game. Another twist I like that Mike Yersich has done, we know Tom Herman was a big 
big fan of four verticals, but how many times last year did we see four versus run out of just straight up eleven personnel, yep. whether it's two by two, two by two, yeah. or whatever? You're running, you're running four verts out of twelve personnel. You know that, mm-hmm. like I said, that tray look, that three by one with the tight end attached. You're running it out of out of stack doubles. You're, you're yep. running four verts. Uh, you're still, it's still a staple of the offense. You're just running it now out of so many different looks. Yeah. No, I and. You know, I and, and I saw that, you know, you saw the early, top of the early down pass rate. I saw that Sam, I still need somebody to ask Sam to, I would lie, and I, I'm sure he won't do it because it might be revealing too much, their difference between their RPOs and their play-action pass. Because on first downs when Texas threw the ball, they used a play-action pass fake or some form of RPO 69% of the time. So like 70% of the time when they threw on first down, they used a fake with it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a rundown. So they're saying, all right, the, t- the defense is thinking run. Let's, let's, let's lure them in a little bit more with some more bait. Let's put a little bit more meat on that but bone But make that for bait them. be murky to where yeah, you aren't even right? sure if it's a play and action or something. Yeah, to me, I, I think that's just your sitch using those, those simple cheat codes. All right, we're going to throw – when we do throw on first down – Let's make sure we always add a fake in there. So more than any down where they used a play action fake or used an RPO concept, they did it on first down the mm-hmm. most with Sam versus UTEP. And then there's even the ability to use that play action, but it be RPO, but make the visibility of it on film be murky, so you don't actually know if you're the defense if that was a, just a play action or an RPO, because you have that option to be able to run to where those are certain type of things that you can put on film that don't necessarily give all the information. It still leaves the vision in the oh, back is. of the mind of the defender. Yeah, no, I agree. I still don't know. I would love somebody to ask Sam that. You know what's interesting, though, Rob, when we talk about the the RPO stuff? uh, There was a play. I don't remember. I think Sam had one, but I I believe it was the Casey Thompson touchdown to Marcus Washington. Hmm. I think the run – I forget who's the running back, but he releases, and Casey play fakes to nobody. There's a run (laughs) fake to nobody, and you still see linebackers and safeties freezing. I'm like, what? What are you doing? Like he's doing? he's play faking a no. There's yeah. a it's a run action <laughs> to nobody. The there is nobody there at the match point. They still fall for it though. Exactly. Yeah, Defenders still fall. I threw it in at the end of last week's show, and I showed Rod the film. But he when did. the Cowboys were down and going, it was the Gallup pass interference play. Yep. It's third and eleven yep. from your own thirty-one with thirty seconds left. You run play action, and they're running play <laughs> action there because it like, just uh, captures you when yeah. that ball is it's out. So weird. It's just ingrained into your key. That you see that hand out, you got to respect it for one second on your heels, and that's just enough. I always say it's like a play action pass is that, that that little fake. It's like it's like cleavage or <laughs> booty shorts. You know what I mean? On any it's grown it's woman wearing wearing booty shorts or showing a lot of cleavage, heterosexual men will find a way to peek. You may not. You're not going to stare for ten seconds. You're not going to stare for thirty seconds. But you're going to peek. You're going to peek. You're going to peek for like. A second and a half. If you're a woman's with it, you might peek for just like two seconds. You'll get a peek in. That's all they need to to, to open a little bit of window so they can get the pass behind you or to get you to, wants you to be a half a step late uh, to get to your coverage. And it's amazing how it works every time. Like I say, it's, it's like cleavage, man. It works for, every time. For an offense, it's, man, it's, like, it's like the football placebo effect. It's like mm-hmm. we're not really doing anything. It's just you just keep falling for it. You so keep falling. They do. I mean, it, as a defender, I got to tell you, you have to. You're taught. It's in your DNA. Yeah, it's well, in your DNA you as a defender. You might hand it off to. It's, yeah, it's in your d- DNA as a defender during that real time to to acknowledge the fake. 
to mm-hmm, acknowledge right. the where the what he's doing with the ball, and that's all you need. One other thing I wanted to mention offensively, and we talked about Sam on the first touchdown pass to Josh Moore, where he kind of gives a little elbow pump. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at the touchdown he threw to Cade Brewer, he did the same thing, and I didn't pick up on it at first, but rewatching the game, I did. If you look at that, yes. Jordan Whittington going in motion, Mm -hmm. the UTEP defense went to that side. But what really sold it, and this is what you love about a veteran quarterback who you can see evolving, Sam doesn't pump. But he gives like a little shoulder shrug, he did, a little sh- just a little shoulder shrug to that shimmy. side of the field, and every and you see like three guys just sell out on that on that swing that yeah. swing that fly motion manipulating the defense. Yeah, Cade Brewer has two steps on the defender, and it's over at that point. Yeah, it's no, but I, you you can overdo it too, like pump fake Purdy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> pump fake Purdy does it too much, but he knows that this defender is definitely going to fall for it. Wait, That's like James Harden by the end of it. Like yeah. James Harden gets like four crossovers. Exactly. Now just... it, 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 de- it definitely reminds me of basketball players just getting a little bit of space. Mm-hmm. Like I just need a little space. I need my. I need to open up that window a defender. half a foot, and that's what they do. That's what Sam's doing. It's it's brilliant. Like I, I would like to know if it's recommended by coach within the play design, or if it's just Sam. You know, freestyle. It's improv. almost like yeah. ingrained in like his own body language, but you just know that it's worth that just tiny shoulder movement and mm-hmm. those little things that a player sees on film when it's just your natural movement. It's how can you be deceptive? The same way pitchers try to have the same arm slot Delivery, whenever yeah. they're throwing different pitches, but then it's going to be different and it's going to be deceptive and it's just trying to find that next layer. And it's the same thing that you hear across all sports whenever you're trying to go in there and get into the conscience of the defender fascinating all right gentlemen so that will take us to texas tech in the big 12 opener on saturday and uh rod did you get a chance to watch the texas tech houston baptist game yeah it was sad um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what happened to texas defense remember last year everybody kept talking about how Texas defense started improving. They were Wells building a good defensive culture there the, yeah. they had a that linebacker drafted in the first round mm-hmm. oh man and Pro Football Focus always shows a lot of love to Tech defenders, and yet, and maybe Houston. But I would say this: Houston Baptist is a all they. It is probably as pure a passing offense as you will find in college yeah. football. That's the answer. Is what happened to Tech last it week? Is. is the air raid like got yeah. to begin? I mean, when you look to Texas results and the whole Orlando era, you could have some good defense be played, but when they faced an air raid, you had no shot. And it, sometimes yeah. they can just manipulate because it, it stresses until the very last defender. It's like, like the air raid and run and shoot had a baby. Like, it, it really just, is. <laughs> Zach, Zach the perfect Kittley, for Houston Baptist. Zach, it is. Zach Kelly, the OC at Houston Baptist, was a Cliff Kingsbury guy. Was mm-hmm. uh, you know on that staff at Texas Tech under Kingsbury and Rod. There were two things that that Tech defense. They're first off. There, I, I know they were missing some guys. Like Colin Schooler was a big one. Brennan Schooler's brother mm-hmm. here is on the transfer. Did not play. Uh, he was the big one they were missing on defense, but I don't think Colin Schooler would have fixed the biggest issue I saw with Texas Tech, which was that their defensive scheme in that game, Rod, made no sense to me because they were rushing three, dropping eight, yet somehow ended up with a ton of one-on-one man-to-man situations on the outside with sometimes no safety help over the top. And I'm like, well, if you're – doesn't that defeat the purpose of dropping eight and not bringing an extra rusher? Like it just didn't – yeah. yeah, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. But there were two things, Rod, that Tech did not handle well at all in that game that I think if you're Mike Yersich, uh, see if they can see if they can handle it. One was tempo. Anytime Houston Baptist went tempo, mm-hmm. Tech didn't handle it well. The other one was deep shots. And that's what was different about 
kind of, I guess, Zach Kittley's version of the Air Raid, which we know, like, the Air Raid, you don't take a – it's not a ton of verticals. HBU threw a ton of verticals yeah. in that game and hit on a few of them. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Mike Yersich, Rod, your, your theory to this has been proven right. When in doubt, man, throw it deep early and often. Yep. And Sam Ellinger was one of the best deep ball passers in college football. And you do have, I mean, you know, you have receivers that can stretch the field. Josh Moore showed explosivity in that game. Um, I don't know if Jake Smith is coming back for this game. Are we assuming Jake Smith is back? Yeah, Jake Smith should, be, should be available. Um, so the slot, uh, yeah, so the slot fade should be something that would come up. That's always a tough route to defend on the outside. Um, I, I think you'll see Texas use some double moves depending on how Tech wants to play them. I don't know if Tech's going to be dropping a lot of guys back. With HBU, they're not even attempting really to develop a running game. Their running game is just a complement to their passing game, yeah. and that's what they want to do. Texas does want to be a balanced offense. I think Texas will try to run the football. So for Tech, you know, it's gonna be, they're going to end up in some one-on-one situations on the outside every now and then. And that's when Sam needs to have the ability to audible the play, which I'm sure he does. Find the one on one downfield. Yeah, yeah, and downfield. And when you look That's at it, it was in we against HBU, and it was Caden Stearns' brothers being Stearns. Jer- yes, Josh Stearns and Jarrett Stearns. So in Week One against North Texas, it was Josh Stearns only had two receptions for forty six yards. He was obviously their deep ball threat, but then against Tech, he had five for two oh nine and two TDs. He averaged forty two yards per reception wow. against Tech, and then his other bro- brother Jarrett the more possession receiver type guy underneath. He had 11 for 93 in week one. He finished with 12 for 130 in a tud. And then they had another guy, Dormius, go three for 82 in a tud. And then another possession guy. So he had two guys on their team, one averaging 42 per and another one with 27 per now. A lot of that scheming guys way open. Those are type of things that you would assume Texas will be able to do. But you also just have better athletes than Houston Baptist does. And if any, if, I mean, right not only do you have intel on what happened being that Caden, two of his brothers, were able to just totally annihilate the secondary. They combined for 17 receptions for 339 yards and three touchdowns, the two Stearns brothers. And they already had they had two other guys go for 105 and 82, which is just nuts. So, yeah, yeah that Tech secondary may be, yes. like, record-breaking bad. If they doing that in their non-con game and now you're going into the Big 12? Yeah, no, I I would encourage the early down pass rate to increase. If it was sixty two percent last week, it should be, it should be approaching sixty nine percent. I would I'd I'd let Sam Cook. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, like no. Russ finally is. Yes, yeah, I say not Sam Cook the artist. But oh no, yeah, yeah. I got that. <laughs> Somebody be like Sam. Cook. I'm a music guy too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Rod Krishan Merriweather, the junior college transfer linebacker at Tech, was named Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Week. Saw that one. Bizarre. Nobody on that Tech. They do, with all due respect what to Krishan Merriweather, I think he had like 12 tackles. Nobody on the Tech defense should have been honored by the league office. Well, that, the that league was, office they were just all needs like 10 yards downfield, though. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so bad. And, you know, Tech should have Demarcus Fields back in the secondary. He's a veteran guy. But, like, I don't know, like, some of their personnel moves, like Adrian Fry, who's played a lot of football, been there for a long time, a name that we know. Mm-hmm. We've seen Tech for a few years now. Uh, he's. Backup running like with the number two with the twos, so I, oh he was a long the long rangey guy yeah so yeah, I don't he was a decent player actually man I, I don't know Rod that you watched the same game I did that's that Tech secondary I mean they're 
it, they're like Oklahoma 2018 kind of bad. But they all were attacked. Like it, it to, yeah. to Matt's point, it's not like they picked on one specific position yeah. and tried it to you know and tried to take advantage of that one position, that one weakness. It's like no, the entire secondary is a, is a weakness. The entire secondary can be exploited. So I, if I'm with Texas, I know it sounds crazy against Tech because usually. You don't want to get into a shootout with Tech. That's kind of what they want. Uh, this is a different Tech team. Mm-hmm. I'd pass to open up the run. Yeah, I'd come out early throwing to open up the Outscore run. Outscore Tech. Yeah, I think you. I think you know. I think trying to be stubborn and run the ball early and establish the run. I think that I think kind of might play right into Tech's hands. Yeah, because Tech actually ran exactly more than through in Week One. They ran the ball forty three times. They only ran thirty eight times. And like how you talked about Wells coming over what Utah State. Like yep. there, it, last year was a different version of Tech. Now they still have the ability to make plays in the passing game, and you know on defense they were really though molding over to where if you were to think of a very un-Big 12-like template, that's sort of the area they were starting to shade towards, more of your just traditional football team. Now, traditional modern college, that still airs it out, but they like to be physical, but if you're trying to do that against Texas, that's not a good recipe when you could barely do it against Houston Baptist. Yeah, uh, speaking of trying to you know, o- o- run, trying to open things up, Rod, for the run, Jalen Hutchings, who's one of the better interior defenders Tech has, uh, he's questionable. Day to day will be a game time decision, is what Matt Wells said oh, he's, last uh, week with, with an injury. Yeah. yeah. So mm. this is. I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, I'm not expecting Texas Rod to put up 59 points and 690 yards again like they did against UTEP. But man, if you're Mike Yurcich, you you've got to be just chomping at the bit, foaming at the mouth, mm-hmm. whatever you want to insert there. <laughs> just how excited he should be to go try to attack this Tech defense, which, like we said. I mean, look, they they I expect them to play better against Texas than they did against Houston Baptist. Yep. Oh, yeah, it, you'll get their best shot. But at the end of the day, Rod, what do we talk about all the time? You win with players on defense, and I just don't see enough players on that Tech defense right now. So if they're going to win this game, they're going to win it on their on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, which is interesting because they're going to win with Allen Bowman having a career game. Because Allen Bowman wasn't very sharp uh, in this game. He had his moments where he was good. That, that first drive, the first scoring drive Tech had in that game, that offense, it was clicking. I mean, they looked really good, but after that, it was just a series of either misfires or drop passes or penalties. Just they just, I mean, yeah. the the body. You look at the box score and the production is there. But I think he had what oh four hundred yards. And, yeah, four thirty. And then yeah, you know there was did. the 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 controversial decision to, for Matt Wells to go for it on fourth and one late in the game instead of kicking a field goal to go extend it. the lead. So I don't yeah. pe- pe- some people we'll have, have this discussion. We've had this discussion before. Oh, that oh, yeah. discussion is going to last forever in football. <laughs> yeah. But at any rate, Rod, I mean, this is a Texas Tech offense, and we talk about the fact they don't have many players on defense. They've got players on offense. I like Bowman. It starts with Alan Bowman. Yeah, uh, you know, you've got a pretty good, uh, I think, a pretty good stable of running backs and top two receivers, really. Yeah, Eric is a comma. T.J. Vasher, who seems like he's been there. It seems like he's on the nine-year plan at this point. Carter's a good player. Yeah, uh, so Roderick Thompson had a really good game against Texas last year. Keshawn Carter had a good game against Texas last year. So Roderick Thompson did some good things uh, against Texas last year in the game here in Austin that Texas won. So I like this evolution of like Tech and Okie State now running the ball all the time. You know, like it's sort of bizarre to see it, but like it, it's sort of a, a different world we're living in. This yeah. is that hybrid protects Texas. Mm-hmm. David Yost is they run one of those kind of what we call a hybrid spread. Type offenses. A lot of 11 personnel, Rod. They were on 11 personnel 
I don't know, 90% of the time, 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. And then well, Tom Herman was, game. though, the last couple of years, too. Yeah, so – uh, so that we know, and and I actually think this tech offensive line. I don't know if they necessarily showed it all the time against Houston. Baptist. Pro football focus loves the tech offensive line. I, I like this tech offensive line. Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to find, you know, two better interior offensive linemen in this league than Dawson Dean and Jack Anderson. Dean at center and Anderson at guard. I think those two guys are really good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this rod is the first big test for Chris Ash. You know, I asked him uh, in one of his preseason media availabilities and we took the job how much of it was can you be the one of those defensive minds who figures this conference out and he said yeah that's a a big part of the challenge is trying to see if you can be one of those guys that that kind of gets this thing figured out uh we know he's got the pieces to do it We, we saw just from again looking back at the utep game just looking at personnel is really all you could do uh we know they've got the personnel to do it, but Rod, we know in this league against these offensive minds, as important as personnel is, it comes. it's even more than that because scheme, while it can help, it can also get you in a bind real quick. Yeah, I mean, the truth, the truth is he's got to figure out Lincoln Rally, right? It's, it's different than it used to be. It used to be the Air Raids Conference. Now, as you pointed out, and I think astutely, it's a hybrid spread conference. Which is fine, but it's not what it used to be. It used to, I mean, you used to have Cliff Kingsbury in his mm-hmm. conference, along with Lincoln Riley in his conference. Yeah. You had all these great, I mean, Art Browse. Yeah, to your Hogersons. And, 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 and what was so devastating for, def, for, for Texas defensive coordinators is all these guys, they were cousins, essentially, mm-hmm. philosophically, right? They were air raid cousins. They were all connected and linked. And trust me, they definitely, I'm sure, shared information as well. And you would get exposed by one air raid uh, offense, right? Somewhere, say Dana Hogerson exposed you somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then another air raid guy, Lincoln Riley, go, oh, he got him with the whatever concept. We use yeah. it all the time. Oh, man, I'm about to build three, four, five plays with this concept in it. I'm going to kill him. Okay. And then he exposed you again. And then the other air raid guy goes, oh, you know what? That's kind of what the air raid do. And through his concept, you expose something else. So all basically, it was like facing almost the same offense yeah. week mm-hmm. to week to week to week. And you would think, oh, I'll get used to figuring it out. I was like, no, 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 you didn't. Because nobody's truly ever really stopped the air raid. Nobody ever has. No, but NFL isn't. Who's ever? Bob Stoops couldn't stop the damn air raid. So he hired the damn air raid. Nobody's ever resigned. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury there. Nobody in the NFL stopping the air raid. No. Nope. Yeah, I, I told you, nobody's going to stop the air raid. So the whole point is he faces it now like what once or twice a year maybe a true air raid if you big 12 and then gundy is an air raid ish system you know what i mean you don't face it like you used to so it used to be a freaking baton death march yes through air raid air raid air raid air raid every type of air raid yeah. now you face it once a year yeah if you look at the, the so you got to beat lincoln Riley. the yeah, offensive head one. the offensive centric yeah. head coaches in the oc's in this league i mean larry fedora spread guy but not an air raid not guy. An air raid guy neil brown spread guy not an air raid guy uh matt campbell david yost like we just talked about at tech spread guy not an air raid guy you know yeah. it used to be so it used to be man i mean we talk about cliff King. everybody but k-state almost I mean, it used to be everybody basically except k-state other than other than other than lincoln riley Sonny Cumbie, who's still trying to figure out what he's going to do at quarterback, and Brent Deerman, who's the OC at Kansas. Other than that, those are the only three guys that you could say are really kind of air raid type guys. Yeah, it's just different than it used to be. But you're right, though. You still got to figure out Lincoln Rice. You still got to figure out the best. But even then, even with. That's hard to do. (laughs) Even with Cliff Kingsbury and Dana Holgerson and all these other people out of the conference. 
There's a reason Todd Orlando's not the defensive coordinator at Texas anymore. Oh, yeah, you're damn right. Cause, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, you're right it's, still, no, no, it's still a really, really good conference. Right. But I think it's easy, it'll be easier for him to figure it out than it was you know, when it was the Air Raids conference. And, and we, talked, we talked about this in the offseason, too. We, we've talked ad nauseum about the, the positive history first-year Texas defensive coordinators have, mm-hmm. whether it's Greg Robinson or Will Muschamp, Manny Diaz, Vance Bedford, Todd Orlando, go down the list. Everybody's great in their first year. So I think we all agree, like, if Chris Ash isn't great this year, there's, there's something wrong, something is amiss. I don't know, maybe he's going to break the cycle that way. <laughs> maybe he's bad the first year. The first year, then better really the second year. Then he keeps getting better as opposed to being his best year, being the first year, and then getting worse from there. That would be good there. for him, not good for Tom Herman. I think this year he'll have a, a good defense. I'm, I think it'll be a good defense just because he has so much veteran talent there, and the D-line is deep, and the secondary. You're deep all the in reasons the why the previous you're, guys were good. Exactly. You're, you're deep in all the places you need to be good in the Big 12 on defense. Yeah, I mean, linebacker is one of those positions where actually you can figure it out if you're deep in the secondary and you're deep in the D-line. And, Rod, going back to your point about throwing early, getting up early, putting the pressure on Tech, if I'm Tom Herman and Mike Yersich, I want to play with a lead so that way I can utilize my strength, which is I want to be in as many positions as I possibly can my front fork and pin their ears back point. and go get after Alan Bowman. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a really good point too. Yeah, maybe because t- people say that about you know um, certain quarterbacks are better. Right, Lamar Jackson's better when he plays with a lead. Um, for Sam Ellinger, I'm not sure if he's better playing with a lead or a deficit. But I'm with you. I would like them to play with a lead. I think it'll be better. I think the defense. And I always said the defense plays with more confidence when you play with the lead. It's like going out with money in your pocket. Well, because yep. the defense has been so helter skelter the last. Two years. There have been many times where Sam has played with a lead. That's very true, or or at least a big lead. You know, yeah. it's always like, okay, you need to, you at least need to get a field goal on this driver. Hey, we got to go, we got to go put this one in the end zone. Give us a little bit of cushion. It seems like the pressures all in some way, shape, or form has always been on Sam Ellinger the last two years. Yeah, and if you play with the lead, you can let your lines of scrimmage, which may, you know. The offensive line and the defensive line, they can go win the game for you. Obviously, Sam is the man, but that's when you can impose your will because that's supposed to be your big advantage over most teams is that your D-line is deep and good and your O-line is deep and good. And I said it on the show like last week, this might be the first time in a long time where Texas has a chance to be the best D-line and potentially the best O-line in the Big 12. It's been a long time since Texas has been able to even compete in that conversation. Yeah, been since like 05. It's been oh, since 05. Yeah, 100%. It was. No, it was just, and then when you yeah. talk about playing with the lead and the line of scrimmage thing is so spot on, especially to this version of Tech, which may actually want to be 50-50 or borderline more than 50 on run plays if you go and look at their ideal game script mm-hmm. under Matt, Matt Wells. Wells. And if you have a game script, you're trailing, aren't going to be able to run as much. And also, in addition to that with the line of scrimmages, if – now, they graded out really well against Houston Baptist, but facing against a team like Texas with a front four that not only can possibly like just get a pass rush with four with the players that you have there right now, but also be able to negate maybe a strength and force the odds to flip over to your side whenever you can actually stop the run, but you have a pass rush with four, and that's when you get really dangerous as a defense, yep. especially when you take them out of their game script, and then they're going to have to pass, and then if you're still getting that pass rush and that D-line dominating, it's just so great 
to see Texas be able to have that. It's going to play out the way you see one of those elite college football teams when you watch Clemson or Alabama play late in the fourth quarter and are able to have shut down defenses. It's because of what they're doing up front. Offensive line, Grayson Pro Football focus. Uh, Notre Dame was first. Clemson was third. Louisville was second, actually. Texas was fourth. Texas Tech was fifth. And they it's still great. only they ran for line. 43 times for 100, like 90 yards, barely just 4.8 mm-hmm. per carry. So your O-line was performing at an elite level, top four. Yet your results weren't even five yards of carry. That's not very good. Good point. And one point I want to make real quick, Rod, before we kind of get to some predictions and, and look at the spread for this game, at least from where it opened. I think one big thing to watch in this game is going to be that secondary rotation, specifically at corner, because this is a week where you know you're going to give up some plays. You know you're going to give up some yards. How do Chris Ash and Jay Valai handle that rotation and gauging guys? Hey, is Josh Thompson a guy that might need to come sit and watch for a series and then get back in there? Or is he a guy that, no, if you do that, you have a chance to break his confidence, just let him play his way out of it? This is going to be the first real test of that. So, yes, you're deep on the back mm-hmm. end, but this is where it really comes down to being more kind of psychological guy than just like looking that. at player A is making plays, isn't making plays, so let's go with player B at this spot. That's a good point. Yeah, make sure you don't have a weak spot when you're rotating in DBs, that chemistry uh, between guys and how well they work together. You don't want a unit that may be faulty and only right. for a few a group of plays, but that can be enough to give up a lead. That's a good point. All right, gentlemen, let's look at uh, – Let's look at this game right now. Matt spread opens at 16 and a half is what I saw it. Yep. It's, uh, Sportsbook. There's a couple Oof. books where it opened at 17 and a half, and, but looks like about consensus 16 and a half over under right below 70. So you're talking around number. a 43-27 type score. It's a big number. It is a big number. Big number. So big of a number that this is the biggest margin by which Texas has been a road favorite in a conference game under Tom Herman. Okay. That's what I figured. That's a big number. And I yeah. think Texas wins the game. But here's the storyline for me in this one. When we Uh-oh. talk about playing to a standard, mm-hmm. 12 Big 12 regular season games under Tom Herman, Texas has been a touch a six-point or more favorite. Oh, no. They're 4-7-1 against the spread in those games. Ooh. That includes so three you, three times Texas has failed to cover against yeah. Kansas. Yeah. So you're talking saying, about Tom Herman trees. So you're saying don't bet. <laughs> don't, don't bet my paycheck on this. I would let don't bet te- on the car. I would let Texas prove it. Okay. But, Rod, Tom Herman 3-0 and in Big 12 openers mm. in Texas, 3-0 and in Big 12 road openers. Texas has won five in a row in Lubbock. It's the longest winning streak in school history in Lubbock, which we know, Rod, you've, it's hard to win in you've, Lubbock. Lo- you've lost it a football easy. game there. Yeah, it ain't easy to win in Lubbock. So... So they go. So win, yes. Win, yes. I, th- I, th- I think Texas wins. Mm. Cover. I'm going to say no, and I want Texas to prove. Go out and prove that you're a different football team this year. Rod, they carried themselves like a different team going into that UTEP game. They and granted did. it was mm-hmm. UTEP, but <laughs> they didn't waste any time just getting nasty, getting after business. Like, hey, just put this one away, get done with it, and move okay. on to the next one. Yeah, I'm with you. If that Texas team shows up in Lubbock, they cover. No question. Mm. Yeah, I don't. We we don't really know who Texas is just yet because UTEP is so bad. That's right. basically what I have to say about yeah. that. I know who Sam Ellinger is, and I know there's some guys out there. I know who they are as football players. Most of these guys, we don't know who they are based on their UTEP performance. So I, I expect Sam to come out, and I think Sam sets. Sam's the guy that's got to set the tone. That's why I think you got to pass first. Let Sam set the tone. Sam's the guy. 
Sam's the man. Sam's the one who, you know, he's the face, essentially, of your football program right now. He's one of the best players in the country. Let him go, Lee. Let, he set the tone versus UTEP, and I think everybody followed. And it was mm-hmm. in that confidence just it multiplied. You could tell everybody. St- it was contagious. Everybody got a little bit of that confidence. It, it was what well, I would say swagger is confidence to spare. And I think Sam's got enough of that to spare for his teammates, and it spreads really quickly. So if you open up early and start fast, so I agree with you about starting fast, but I think you start fast with Sam Ellinger. Early downs, pass it, get him in a rhythm, get him in the groove. He's the guy that's going to win or lose the game for you. Get him going. How about this? Everybody else will follow. Let Sam Ellinger go impose his will so your defensive line can. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And your offensive line. Because once you get up, then we're going to put Rojo on him. And then you can put, you know, Bijan on him. And then you can pound the rock the on pass him. Rush and your come. Exactly. And your offensive line can impose their will. So I agree with you. Let Sam cook. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Let Sam get going early. <laughs> and then I agree, that's the way they'll, they'll have to pass to get back in the game. Your D-line can tee off, and then you can run the rock and control the game. And that's what the pro spread wants to do. Tom Herman, once again, gentlemen, never lost a game in his career as head coach when his team runs the football 40 times. With that said, though, I'm with you, Rod. This is a this is a Sam Ellinger season, and this is a Sam Ellinger game right here. Sam Ellinger season. I like Sam that. season. Oh, Sam season, baby. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Matt, thanks for everything, man. That's oh, better than, more than Sam welcome. Cook. Rod B. Same season. <laughs> Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig White each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our shows, our classic interviews and archives are all available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast to get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.